Hi, this is Andy Robinson, Elam Garrick on Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and you are listening to the biggest little podcast this side of the Gamma Quadrant. It's the Trek Geeks podcast with Dan Davidson and Bill Smith. Failure to tune in would not sit well with the Obsidian Order. little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant and your independent Star Trek podcast. Welcome everyone to Trek Geeks. I'm your co-host Bill Smith. This is episode number 98. Wow. It's the week of April 2nd, 2017 and we're excited you're here. I, we're just excited in general and when I say we, I do mean my co-host. I do have, you know, an albatross around my neck every week and I introduce him around this time every show. You know, if he were a season three episode, he'd be the price, because he costs me my sanity and dignity every time we podcast. He makes Devin Ani Rawl seem like a great guy. <laughs> He's the tiresome and mostly annoying Dan Davidson, and I would love to see him trapped on the other side of an unstable wormhole. Dan, welcome aboard, buddy. Um, I don't have anything to say. Um, that the first time. Thanks. That was wow. <laughs> You're gonna compare me to that? We'll get to him later. <laughs> <laughs> we will. We will. In fact, we're going to get to a lot of TNG Season 3 this episode, aren't we? And Dan, we have a special guest geek for the full hour. Oh, it's always good when we're bringing in these guest geeks. Yes, it is a always a great pleasure when we welcome a new guest to the show. But you know what? It's a little, it's a little something special uh, and more exciting when we welcome in a fellow podcaster. So uh, we want to welcome Amy Nelson to the show today for Episode 98 over uh, at Trek FM. She has has a fantastic podcast called Earl Grey. We want you all to check it out. Amy, thank you so much for joining us for this uh, See It or Skip It for TNG Season 3. I am very honored to be here. And wow, 98, you guys. That's coming up on a big milestone. It really is. And I'm amazed that, that Dan is still alive to see it because I have wanted to kill him many times. I, It's like a Dateline NBC episode up in here. Yeah, who done it? Well, that's you, Bill. <laughs> yeah, all signs point to me. Yeah. Um, yes, we are going to talk about TNG season three today. But Amy, you guys talk about TNG a lot because you're Trek FM's dedicated next gen podcast over there. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm just one of the co-hosts. I've got Richard and Lee joining with me each week, and we are talking all things next gen, and I, it's my favorite favorite Star Trek, hands down. So every episode for me is a see it. I kind of suspected you might say that. <laughs> we haven't even started yet. Oh, whoops. whoops. Yeah. So I, I think it's safe to say that Amy is 26 out of 26 for a 100% this week on Theater Skip It. I, I could be wrong. Uh, Dan, would you please let everyone know how they can get in touch with us and let us know their thoughts on TNG Season 3? 
Absolutely. On Twitter, Facebook, Skype, and on Instagram, our handle is TrekGeeks. You can send us an email also at podcast at trekgeeks.com or give us a call at 508-784-1701. Leave us a voicemail there or online at speakpipe.com slash trekgeeks. Also, as always, please come on over to our official Facebook group, Camp Kittimer. There's always great discussion, great people, uh, great admins, Heather, Jackie, and Dan. They're always doing a great job. And uh, to join, just go right on over to facebook.com slash groups slash Camp Kittimer. It's that easy, and it needs to be easy if someone like Bill is on the site. So just remember that any comments or messages that you leave in any of these places may be used in a future episode. Bill, back to you. Wow, that was very movie announcer like Dan. Great job, buddy. Thank you. You know, I do have to say that in Camp Kittimer recently, our third best admin in Camp Kittimer, Dan Garcia, recently had a birthday. He doesn't look a, a day over 75. Dan, we love you, buddy. Happy birthday. He looks great, doesn't he? 75? He does. I was going to say 76, but I can go with 75. Well, you know, it's it's that new math that the kids use nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, now I'm a math teacher. Be careful. <laughs> and the funny thing is, Amy, is I'm married to an accountant and math is not my forte. <laughs> Speaking of forte, Dan, I think we've got some news coming up in just a moment. Well, all right. Dan, it's time for the news from treknews.net. Spanning the Alpha Quadrant. Looking for the, all the stories in the Star Treks. It's treknews.net online. At treknews.net. <laughs> that was very good there. Dan, up first, it looks like we have some Star Trek Discovery news, and there is a really, really interesting casting announcement. Yeah. Did this not come out of left field the first week of baseball season this week? I was certainly not expecting this one. Uh, Rain Wilson, uh, from The Office, most famously probably known for, has been cast in Star Trek Discovery as Harry Mudd. Huh? I, 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 yeah. I, I, well, one, I think it's great casting. Oh, very good casting. But two, it makes me wonder how they're going to introduce Harry Mudd in this time period. I think it's 10 years before Kirk and Spock. Amy, I'm certain you heard this news. What did you make of it when you heard it? I did hear it and just reading a lot of comments on Camp Kittimer mm-hmm. and elsewhere, it does not seem like it's uh, very well received, at least for the character. Right. Yeah. So would, it will be very interesting. I just can only hope that they're going to do something better with his yes. character. I would agree with that 100%. I think I was one of the ones who commented in not the negative, but not thrilled. This is probably the first discovery announcement that I wasn't like, oh my God, this is awesome. I was like, what? Now, we all know we've seen Harry Mudd three times. We Mudd's Women and I Mudd in the original series, and then in Mudd's Passion in the animated series. Not a huge Harry Mudd fan, but like Bill said, the casting of Harry Mudd uh, or of Rain Wilson as, as Harry Mudd is phenomenal. I hope they're able to do something that will make this casting not the question mark that I currently have it as. Well, it also makes me wonder, I mean, well, let's back up for a second. In TOS, Harry Mudd was essentially selling minors brides. (laughs) 
<laughs> and and giving them drugs. So in 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 the second episode, he commandeered a planet full of androids. So it, it I have no idea how this is going to involve discovery or the Klingon aspect, or I just, I'm wondering how nefarious he's going to be in, in this series. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, was he, was Harry Mudd like the comic relief? I mean, what was, I, I could only assume that that's why they're bringing him in, but hopefully with a different purpose. I don't know. Yeah. I have to hope so. I mean, I think in, in Mud's Women, he wasn't as much comic relief. And I, I think it's not only until I, Mud, that they realized they could really kind of lighten things up and, and you know, let let Roger see Carmel chew some scenery and, and just have some fun. Um, but I, I wonder in what which direction they're going to take it, knowing that Discovery is supposed to be fairly intense, allegedly, and there's only 13 episodes. I think someone on Camp Kitterman mentioned this. I'm not sure what site it was, so I may have it wrong. But there was discussion that Harry Mudd did a lot of his his, his doings, whether legal or illegal, kind of hugging the Klingon border or maybe behind it even. So maybe that's going to wrap into it because there's been a lot of rumors about Klingons on Discovery. Maybe that's something personally – I've never been a Harry Mudd fan. I would think that maybe Rain Wilson would have been a good casting as maybe Cyrano Jones or something like that. But, you know, that's just me. Yeah, actually, I think that probably would have been better casting. But um, uh, we'll have to see what happens when Discovery premieres later this year. Of course, we all know the date. No, we don't know the date. Do we? <laughs> no. That's no. okay. No. Waiting oh, darn. Maybe we'll find out at STLV. Oh, no, probably not. <laughs> oh. oh, wouldn't that be great, though? Wow, I, you know, I, I was, you know, we talked about this last year on, on the podcast. I wish they had had a little more discovery-based content at STLV last year. Mm-hmm. I can only hope that this year, since it'll be imminent, that that maybe that will change. Here's hoping. Yeah, I'd like to see, you know, some special footage. I mean, they will have had to have filmed and ready yeah. to go. So we deserve something special. Yeah, that what Amy said. So there, I agree with you 100%. Um, Moving on in news, Dan, I'm going to skip around a little bit. Sure. Um, It looks like, Dan, that Star Trek Continues' eighth episode, Still Treads the Shadow, may have dropped this weekend. Oh, yes, indeed it did. Still Treads the Shadow, Star Trek Continues' eighth episode. It is now available for everyone on planet Earth and in the Alpha Quadrant and beyond. All you need to do is head over to StarTrekContinues.com for the link. Um I have a feeling, Bill, that we might be discussing this episode in greater detail soon, possibly, uh, maybe with a certain captain of the Enterprise, uh, uh, you know, allegedly. <laughs> allegedly, yes. We, we can confirm that uh, we have seen the episode. We, we saw it last weekend. And we have chatted with the captain himself, Vic Mignogna. He will be gracing this podcast, I think, a week after next. Is that or something like that, Dan? That is correct. I can confirm that. And uh, we're going to have a great discussion about episode eight, Still Treads the Shadow. Uh, Amy, have you seen all of the, or have you seen the new Star Trek Continues episode? I should start with. And and what did you think if you did? No, I haven't. And so I will definitely give it a watch before your podcast drops, for sure. I've heard only wonderful, wonderful things about Star Trek Continues. It's, um, uh, it's pretty special. I mean, we... Um, it's a topic of our hundredth episode as well, as people will find out uh, eventually. At, you know, we we visited Star Trek continues, and um, it was just we've made some amazing 
friendships that will, will probably last us our lifetime as a result. And everything they've done has been incredibly special. And and I'm I'm very excited. This episode, I think people are really going to enjoy. Um, they have asked for a a moratorium on spoilers for at least a one week time frame. And man, it's really hard. <laughs> to well, not talk about spoilers. Oh, it is. Uh, I mean, we've seen it several times uh, in the last week or so, and it's just, it's just fantastic. And the comments on Star Trek Continues Facebook page have been extremely positive since it dropped earlier today. Um, so, uh, yeah, go check it out, folks. Uh, we're going to be talking about it a lot, and I'm sure you're not going to be disappointed. No, definitely not. And Dan, we were speaking about STLV just a few moments ago. It looks like uh, actually more guests have been added to the biggest Star Trek convention on the calendar. Yeah, as always, they want to get over 100 guests uh, for STLV. Of course, it'll be um, August 2nd through August 6th of this year. We will be there uh, enjoying all of the guests. And this week, they've announced uh, several, including Robert Beltran, of course, Chakotay from Star Trek Voyager, Richard Hurd, who played Admiral Paris on Star Trek Voyager, uh, as well as some folks like Bobby Clark, who played the Gorn in TOS, as well as Daniel Stewart, who was young Bataille and also Patrick Stewart's real-life son, as well as a bunch of other people's. Uh, Camille uh, uh, Saviola, who played Kaiopaka, has also been announced this week. So lots of lots of cool announcements. Doug Dres- Drexler was another announcement, uh, as well as TNG composer Ron Jones this week. So they added a lot this week. I think they're in the 70s at this point, a number of guests that they've signed already, and we're still four months away from the convention. Uh, four long, long <laughs> months. Uh, Amy, this is TNG's 30th anniversary, so you have to be especially excited for all of the TNG content as a TNG podcaster. Absolutely. I love Star Trek Las Vegas. I live in Las Vegas, so I've been uh, this will be my third convention going. So I saw the uh, Voyager or, yeah, Voyager 20 and then the 50th and now the TNG 30th. So very very excited to see what they do this year. You're getting like all the milestone conventions. That's pretty cool, actually. Yeah, it's a good time to be here in Vegas. And now, we have we have something in common too, Amy, because this will be my third, and I've been to the aforementioned ones that you just talked about. So kudos to you, not to Bill. <laughs> wow. Yeah. God, it's going to be like that. Yeah. So, Amy, you you mentioned that TNG is your Star Trek. It's how you came into the franchise. How long have you been a Star Trek fan? Well, I first, yeah, caught it while I was in high school. And, uh, but then when the DVDs dropped in 2004, that was when I just took in everything. And I was reading books and watching episodes every two and three a night. And so ever since then, I've just loved Next Gen. It's easy to love. And I think we're going to talk a little bit about that next as we start to break down See It or Skip It for TNG Season 3. Dan, certainly one of our most popular features here on Trek Geeks has become the See It or Skip It episodes. And um, today we've decided to tackle season three of Next Gen. And um, if, if memory serves, we were pretty closely tied on seasons one and two. Yeah, I think uh, I think you're right there, Bill. Um, we had um, 
We had not a great uh, vote for season one. We had a 50% for both of us, 13 out of the 26 episodes. So uh, not a lot of love for season one. Uh, it did get a little bit better for season two. Uh, um, actually, I take that back. We both were even lower on season two. We both had a 45.45% vote uh, for the 22 episodes in season two. So, um, so far... For those, what do we got? Forty-eight episodes of TNG. It is not. It's not even a better than half. See it rating. Wow, that's that's pretty disappointing. Um, that's a horrible job by you, Dan. Quite frankly, I don't think Amy likes us very much right now. <laughs> um, no, and the good thing you didn't have me on those episodes on that one because oh my goodness, you guys are not on my happy list. Well, I guess uh, I guess we probably should venture into season three then. So, so Amy, typically you're gonna you know run through the episodes. You've heard the theater skippets before, but for those who haven't, uh, Amy's gonna be the ringmaster, and uh, she's gonna guide us through the season, reading a brief description of each episode, and then Dan and I will chime in with whether you should see it or skip it and why. It's up to Amy to determine who goes when. So it's it's totally up to you, Amy, and uh, um. Uh, I suppose that with that, we can probably get started. Yes, let's. Hopefully I can be the puppet master and you will say <laughs> see it to everything. <laughs> no pressure. Yeah. Well, the first episode of season three is evolution. And this is where we have an obsessed scientist he arrives on Enterprise D, and he's trying to get this once-in-a-lifetime experiment. However, Wesley falls asleep during one of his experiments and releases some nanites. And those nanites, are they life or are they not? And that's the question of evolution. So, Bill, talk to me. Well, Amy, I think you'll be pleased to hear that I rate this episode a see it. I like this episode a lot. I mean, even though it's a bottle show and it's got some of the Wesley stuff in there, you know, Wesley fell asleep. Oh, darn. There's a lot there with the discovery of an evolving life form. And I think it's really cool how data gets to interact with them. I mean, this is just great stuff in, in the grand tradition of Star Trek. And I think people should absolutely watch this. Well, Agreed. Dan, agree well, or disagree? Oh, I don't, you know, it's, you know, actually, no, I, <laughs> I actually do rate this as a see it as well. You know, it's a season three premiere. We've got new tunics. We've got a new gathering place in 10 forward. We've got a new hostess in Guinan played by Whoopi Goldberg. And we've got the return of Dr. Crusher. And we have a fantastic job by Ken Jenkins as Dr. Stubbs. Good episode. Only problem is that Wesley screws up again, but it can be overlooked because it was an actual good episode. So I, too, gave it a see it. Excellent. One for one. I, yes, one for one. And I will echo those comments because I think it is a great see it as well. Uh, it's great. Uh, you do. We get Beverly coming back. And so her relationship with Wesley, you know, being reunited and we get her explanation as to where she was. But yeah, seeing the nanites and that's what Star Trek is, is exploring and finding new life. And so here Definitely. it is. Excellent. Okay. Well, oh, we love number two. Oh, I'm sorry. I shouldn't <laughs> preface it that way. <laughs> Ensigns of Command. And this is where we have Data is going down to a colony of 15,000 people to evacuate before some aliens, the Sheliac, uh, want to take over the planet. So 
Dan, what do you think of Ensigns of Command? Well, I'm uh, I'm going to be on your good side again, Amy, because I'm giving this one a see it as well. Um, I loved the Sheliak in this episode. I thought they were very cool, and I wish we had seen more of them uh, in later seasons or even more in season three. They kind of remind me of the Excalbians from TOS and Armus from season one of TNG, who killed Tasha, of course, kind of mixed together. Um, and by the way, Bill, mm-hmm. did you know that uh, my grandfather is buried up on that mountain? Yeah, we know. <laughs> Well, you know what, Dan? So is mine. (laughs) Dan, I also called this a see it. Wow, we're two for two. This is so exciting. Um, This is a a great data story. It's really nice to see him grow as a character as he gets to command this away mission because he's the only one who can. And I think he learns a lot. Um, I I think this is something that an experience that serves him his entire career in Starfleet, honestly. And uh, I, I think that this, this is an essential season three episode just for what it does for data. Yeah, I definitely agree. And this is one pivotal moment where Picard does his best at not going in shooting, but using his logic and using his, oh, what do you say? Um, you know, what am I trying to say? Yes, his Picardness, you know, of, oh, man. Okay, so where he he is using his diplomacy to save the day. And this is just classic Picard. Without a doubt. Yeah, excellent. Okay, so uh, episode three of season three is The Survivors. And I usually remember this of the little patch of grass amongst an entire planet of nothingness. So they are, uh, the Enterprise is investigating two survivors living on the only part of the land. And so, uh, Bill, talk to me. Well, you know, Amy, I have to say, this one also for me is a see it. I love this episode because it reminds me so much of the original series, but I think it's more believable and less campy than it would have been as a TOS episode. You add to it, you know, the aspect of, of Deanna going a little crazy because of the music. I think that adds a really interesting element uh, of danger. And, uh, you know, the, the two actors they have, uh, you know, on, on the planet as the aliens, as it were, um, are just, they're wonderful, especially Anne Haney, who I love in just about everything she's in. So definitely a see it for me. Dan, what about yourself? Yeah, um, I did also give this one a see it. However, this one for me, I do enjoy it, but it's kind of a borderline see it for me. I love what you said at the beginning, Amy. I always think of the patch of grass from looking on orbit uh, with this episode. Um, I love the idea behind the story. Um, I think the aspect of going crazy from the music uh, in Deanna's mind, it, it I can relate because I kind of go through that whenever I record with Bill, so I can really sympathize with her. Wow. Um, but, and I also, you know, who doesn't love the name of that alien enemy race, the Who's Knock? I mean, that's just brilliant. <laughs> so definitely you see it. Well, borderline see it. All right. Yeah, this is uh, gives a new meaning to earworm, right? <laughs> oh, definitely. <laughs> Poor Deanna. <laughs> oh, I know. She does such a great job. I love Deanna Troy. And um, I I love the twist at the end when you realize, you know, that the wife is just 
you know, I, I should I spoil it? You know, that the, the oh, why yeah, you oh, should sure. spoil it. Sure. <laughs> Three years, for God's sake. Right? <laughs> you know that his wife is even made up and that he's the last one of his species. It's definitely a see up for me. Yes. Wow. All right. Excellent. I'm loving this. Good job, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, episode four, who watches the watchers? And the Enterprise must undo damage when a primitive civilization discovers an observation team in their little duck hunt and concludes that Starfleet personnel are gods. So, Dan. Yeah, this one's not too uh, too difficult to rate as a see it. This is a phenomenal Star Trek story all around. Uh, it's a perfect first contact slash prime directive dilemma. Uh, and it's, it's a great story. It's well acted by everybody. And you get to see Picard shot with an arrow at close range and he handles it quite well. So I'll, uh, I'll definitely give this one a see it. That was a no brainer one for me. Yeah. Bill. I, uh, I have to agree, although, you know, this is one of those episodes that when it first came out, I just wasn't a huge fan of, but it's really grown on me significantly in recent years. Um, I, I think it tells a great story. It's interesting to see a proto-race, and in this case, the proto-Vulcans, and Ray Wise is phenomenal in everything he's in, and this is absolutely no exception. Uh, I think this is a definite see-it. Um, if for no other reason, that I, I think it's important to see this, to understand why things happen the way they do in Star Trek Insurrection. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm with you. I When I watched it the first go around, I was like, oh, yeah, it's an okay episode. But it definitely has grown on me and the importance of it, I mean, on so many different levels of first contact and and what we believe and is you know, worshiping a God, is that primitive and all those discussions? It's, it's a great episode. I recommend it. One of the things that I like about this episode is, as you recall, at the end of the episode, Picard is given a piece of fabric and you see that in his quarters for the rest of the series on the, on the chair in his office. And I think that's a great continuity reference, uh, from this episode. And in the movies too. Yes. Yep. Excellent. Okay, so on to episode five, The Bonding, and we have Worf decides to take into his house the child of a slain subordinate, but the child is having trouble accepting his mother's death, especially when she mysteriously reappears. So, Bill. Yes. Talk to me about The Bonding. Is this a see it or skip it? Well, I have to say up front that I'm not necessarily a huge fan of this episode, but I do think you should see it because I think it's really important in the development for Worf. You know, we, we learn things about Worf in this episode and, and, you know, he's, he's given to deal with the aftermath of an away mission that's gone wrong, one that he was in command of. And I think that it's something that serves his character through the rest of the series. So, uh, while I think it tells an okay story and, you know, I, I might be borderline with it normally, I, I do think you should see it if for no other reason than the war factor. Okay, Interesting. excellent. Dan? We, we share a very similar thought on this one, Bill. I actually went back and forth with how I was going to vote this one, Amy. Um, I ultimately also am giving it a see it because it is a great wharf story. You see a side of him that we don't often see, 
even when he's dealing with his own son, Alexander, in later seasons of TNG and in other series like Deep Space Nine when Alexander visits. It's a very different relationship that he seems to have with his own son versus uh, the child in the bonding. So I am giving it a see it as well. Yeah, I like it as well. I do appreciate the Worf story, but I like also the twist of, you know, how do you deal with real life when real life sucks, you know? And so it's an interesting perspective of, you know, you have this, in this case, an alien who's trying to help the child, but in reality, it's not helping the child except his mother's death. So definitely a see it for me. All right. Uh, We're going on to Booby Trap. While investigating a thousand-year-old alien derelict ship, the Enterprise gets caught in the same energy trap which doomed that vessel a millennium ago. Dan, what do you think of Booby Trap? Well, you know, poor Jordy. You know, he has to stoop oh. to hollow romances. Oh, I, mean, come oh, on, I know. Man. Really? Um, I do like the Leah Brahms aspect of this, and it's kind of a neat twist that he uses the holodeck to pretty much figure out what needs to be done along with this holodeck representation of Leah um, to free the Enterprise. Um, I like Leah in this. Like I said, I, I'm not a fan of her next episode that she's in, which we won't get into because it's not this season. Um, but I did actually give this one a see it. So, yes. So, we are one, two, three, four, five, six for six so far. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, Bill. Are you going to keep it going? I am actually. Um, I know what six for six this is unheard of and see it or skip it, Amy. It must be a good luck charm here. Um, I've always appreciated the irony in this bottle show of Picard asking if anyone has ever built a ship in a bottle. Honestly, <laughs> yes. Um, I like the challenge that this this problem presents to the crew, and ultimately, I like seeing Jean Luc Picard at the helm of the Enterprise. You know, it's pretty f- fun and exciting you know, how they get out of that that energy drain. And, you know, for me, although the Jordy relationship with holographic Leah Brahms is uncomfortable and awkward, I really do think this is a great episode. I I definitely think see it. Yeah. I like the Leah Brahms and Jordy relationship there. So I see it for that. Cause I think, you know, if you need to, you, you crawl before you walk type of thing. So Jordy needs some help. And so hopefully he can get his confidence up with this fake Leah Brahms. Oh, he's got to do something, man. Yeah. I will, <laughs> I will throw in, even though it's kind of a spoiler, but not really, um, is that I thought it was a great piece of writing for the finale, All Good Things, where in the future, he's actually married to the real Leah Brahms. I thought that was kind of cool. Yes, it is. And you couldn't understand that if you don't see Booby Trap. So True, go that's see right. it. Absolutely. That's right. <laughs> All right. Uh, the Enemy. This is where we get our episodes with The coming up in a row. <laughs> 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 so uh, LaForge and Romulan are trapped on a planet and there's all this electromagnetic storms. And Worf turns out to be the only viable donor to save the life of another injured Romulan aboard the Enterprise. <sighs> Suspense. All right, Bill. See it or skip it. Well, you know, I have to say that 
This episode is classic Star Trek on so many levels, and it's one of the many must-sees in season three. I think focusing on Geordi in the script is key, and it's really what makes the whole story with the Romulan. I think if it were anyone else on the Enterprise, it wouldn't be nearly as compelling, or you know, their desire to need to work together wouldn't be as, as pronounced as significantly. Plus the whole Worf plot line with the, the ribosomes, it's like, well, then he will die. I mean, this is just great, great television. Absolute see it. Absolutely. Dan. I was going to do that same impersonation, but I can't top Bill. <laughs> yes, you can. Go wow. ahead. <laughs> then he will die. No. <laughs> yeah, this is a definite, definite see it. This is one of the best episodes of the season. Um, we see some awesome Romulan storytelling here, um, and it's it's proof uh, between Geordi uh, and the Romulan that Anyone can set aside differences if it's a necessity and if if it, if their survival counts on it. I think it's a brilliant episode, and it is an absolute must-see. Yes. And I think – well, I recently did a podcast on the Nemesis – not the – on Nemesis, the movie – and I love it. And it just adds so much more when in that movie, Worf says that the Romulans fought with honor because you look at his past here, specifically this episode where he refuses, you know, to save the life. So, yeah, definitely. That's a great yeah. point. Yeah. Okay. So, um, nah, episode eight, The Price. Enterprise hosts negotiations for possessions of the only known stable, question mark, wormhole. So, Dan, what do you think? Well, I'm just going to preface it with this. All good things must come to an end. And oh. in that case, it is the see it ratings for season three. <laughs> I am giving this a skip it. Um, I feel that this is a boring and uh, incohesive episode. I was never a real fan of it at all, and I think Rahl is just a complete scumbag. Um, the only positive aspect of this that I can find, if you even want to call it positive, is at least the Ferengi show up later in the Delta Quadrant on Voyager. So I gave this one a skip it, unfortunately. Okay, Bill? Well, I hate to say that the 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 wave of success has come, has come crashing against the shore. I uh, this one for me is also a skip it. You know, there's one per episode where I usually go meh, and this is it. Matt McCoy is absolutely terrible in this episode, and it's so, you know, Dan, you said you talked about the cohesion of this episode earlier. It has none. There are bad plot holes. There are really some bad edit points in this episode that make the story slightly confusing in the middle. And it's kind of hard to take this episode seriously as a result. I think it needed a few more rewrites and maybe a different casting. It's funny because if you hear, you know, I remember being at a convention about 20 years ago or so in Manchester, New Hampshire, and Marina Sirtis was there. And somebody asked her about this episode and Matt McCoy, and she did not have kind things to say, <laughs> although she oh. would not address him by name. So... Um, for me, it is a skip it. I, I think there was great potential here, but I think that it just missed. Okay. Well, I'm just going to say see it. <laughs> <laughs> really? Just to spite you guys. No. <laughs> I, I again, like Deanna Troy, and so she's getting a little action here. Um, but I like how it highlights how different people are negotiating. And are they going to do underhanded things? Are they going to be on the up and up? And so just sort of the interplay between the different species of all wanting the same thing. 
um, I think it's worth it for that. It's not a major see it for me, but it is one to see. So. Sure. That's fair. All right. Okay. Um, episode nine, The Vengeance Factor. And this is where the Enterprise tries to negotiate an end to raids la- launched by a group called the Gatherers. But a murder threatens to prevent peace. So, Dan, see it or skip it? Oh, you're going to go with me first, huh? Okay, well, I'm, oh. f- I'm going to keep the ball rolling. And no. I don't think it's a good ball because I also gave this one a skip it. So this is two in a row for me, unfortunately. Mm. Um Nothing really wows me with this episode. It's 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 predictable. Um, there's just nothing that grabs me enough to warrant seeing, uh, giving it a see it rating. And all of this has nothing to do with the story. For some reason, Sovereign Maroc or Maruk just reminds me way too much of Kai Wynn on Deep Space Nine. Even though she comes first before Kai Wynn, seeing it after Deep Space Nine is there it reminds me a lot of her. Just not just not an episode that I would stop and watch if I'm flipping through the channels. Hmm. All right, Bill. So, so Dan, let me get this straight. This episode doesn't grab you. It, it, there's nothing that makes me go, "Oh, I want to watch this." Oh well, I, th- that makes me want to grab you by the throat and just shake the <laughs> life out of you because this is a great episode. This is it's a pre- little bit predictable, but it's executed well. There's there's a great story here in in Utah and you know, the the conflict between these people and how she's essentially sort of the last of her kind. And I think it's a great story for Riker. You see how pained he is at the end when he has to essentially vaporize her. Um, I think this is a see it. I really think this is a great episode. Well, t- I'll tell you what, Amy, before we get your, your vote on this episode, because like, I don't know what it's going to be. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I can I can give you this, Bill. I'm not going to waffle. I'm still giving it a skip it, but I can yeah. do what I did for Move Along Home. I'd be happy to rewatch it and at a later podcast tell you if might change my mind. Okay, that's fair, because you did change your mind on Move Along Home. Indeed I did, yep. All right, that's fair. We accept that answer. All right. Yes, okay. we do. We okay, do. <laughs> I will, of course, say see it. And it was funny because I um, grew up in the state of Utah, and so I always thought, what, her, her name is my state. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> But I like the idea of this passed down generation after generation after generation of this complete hatred of another family, species, race, whatever you want to say, and and how people deal with it, and that people are willing to let their generations die instead of prosper just because they hate someone or something and it's it's very powerful in that aspect so i say see it okay oh oh the defector (laughs) sorry (laughs) she uh, she, you're telegraphing i think you're rating oh goodness (laughs) Hmm. i wonder wonder what she's gonna think of this one dan <laughs> well, the Enterprise grants asylum to a defector from the Romulan Empire, and he claims to have vital information concerning the renewed Romulan offensive against the Federation. So, Bill, what do you think? Well, you know, I have to say that we've talked about this particular actor on the podcast before, even just last week. James Sloyan is one of my favorite Star Trek guest stars of all time. 
Um, I, I think he's probably one of the best they've ever had. And all of his parts have been so memorable and just so well played. For that reason alone, you should see this episode because he is amazing. You add to that a story that is really well done with a nice twist toward the middle and then a really an ending that, that really kind of makes you wish it had gone a little differently. Um, I, I think this is, it's, an, it's right up there as far as, uh, as great episodes for season three. Yeah. Dan? Yeah, I have to agree. Um, my notes are very similar to Bill. I said two words, James Sloyan. I mean, it's as simple as that. I mean, is there a role in any Star Trek that he just did not crush? He is so great at what he does. Uh, and the true devious nature of the Romulan people is really shown here at the end of the episode in a very powerful and a very sad and depressing way at the same time. It is a definite see it. Yes, I absolutely agree. Can't add anything you guys said at all, so go and see it, definitely. Okay. All right. The Hunted. While Enterprise D is reviewing a seemingly idyllic planet's application for Federation membership, an escaped prisoner leads its crew to discover an ugly secret, the government's shameful treatment of its war veterans. Dan, what do you think of the hunted? Yeah, this is a this is a see it for me. Um, anytime you get an episode where the guy who they're the the crew of the Enterprise is after bounces off the shields in an attempt to escape, you just have to rate it as, as a see it. It's just great storytelling, um, and the whole the whole story uh, is good in itself. But this episode also has James Cromwell, so it's just it's just another great performance by James Cromwell, and I just love the ending of this episode when Picard basically says, hey, you got to figure this out on your own. And he beams back up to the ship. Fantastic. Bye. <laughs> exactly. Leaves him high and dry. All yep. right. <laughs> All right, Bill, what do you think? Well, this puts me in the uncomfortable position of having to agree with everything Dan said. Um, and that's a first for me. Um, <laughs> this episode's a definite see it. I agree. This episode was kind of on the bubble for me, but I have to look at you know, this episode's commentary on war veterans, and, and I think it's it's really great in how it tells the story. And like Dan said, James Cromwell. I mean, you can't really go wrong with this. Um, add to it the scene at the end where Picard's like, yeah, I'm out of here. Um, I, it's, it's a great Star Trek episode. It's great science fiction, so I think you should definitely see it. Yep, agreed, absolutely. Can't add anything there. You said it all. Okay, um, we are to episode 12, The High Ground, and this is the episode where Dr. Crusher is captured by terrorists who want to involve the Federation in their struggle for freedom. I'm very interested to hear your thoughts, Bill. Well, you know, Amy, I think this episode is a very interesting narrative on terrorism, and I do think it's worth seeing. I don't think that Dr. Crusher is written particularly well or strongly in this episode, but overall I think this story is worth the hour because I think it's a compelling enough um, script. So for me, it's a see it. Okay, Dan? Oh, boy. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I, no. I will preface it with this. and I've said it with every COC that we've done. That's my little acronym. Um, there's always one episode in every season of Star Trek that we reviewed where I just have no remembrance of the episode. So that means it really didn't hold very much for me. And season three's episode is the high ground. Uh, excuse me. Um, yeah, is the high ground. Um, I just, I don't remember anything about it, which means I haven't watched it in a long time because I don't have any real desire to see it because I didn't like it originally. Um, 
I just I do remember that it was a Doctor Crusher episode and one that I didn't think was very good. So I I'm giving this one a skip it. Wow, that is very surprising because to me I always remember this and the oh. drawing that he draws of Crusher. And we see terrorism through a whole new lens because of Beverly Crusher. And I, I love this episode and will watch it any time. I, I just, I love it. So looks it. like Dan gets detention. Yes. <laughs> Everyone's favorite is someone's ha- most hated. Oh, so you're going to pull a champion rule on us? Oh, I hate you so much right now. I have right a now. feeling that that'll be coming up later tonight. <laughs> Probably. Probably. All right. Well, we're on to episode 13, our halfway point at Deja Q. And Q, we love him, is seeking asylum on the Enterprise because he's been thrown out of the continuum and stripped of his powers. Can you believe it, Dan? What what episode that has John Delancey could you even possibly think of giving a skip it? This is see it times 10. He is so amazing as Q, but I think that this episode might be his best performance as Q in all of Star Trek. The one-liners are great. The party at the end is great. Data's uncontrollable laugh is maybe the highlight of this entire season. It's something that I can watch on loop over and over and over again. It's a fantastic story. And it's definitely one that you have to see. Definite see it. Bill? Awesome. Bill? Wow, Dan, you should probably let Amy, you know, do all the controlling of things. It's, I understand you have a controlling nature, but rein it in. Is that um, my cue? I'll, I'll leave. No, no. It's, no please. Leave. Yeah, please. I'd love for Dan to leave. Um, I, this episode is just fun. I mean, you know, from the moment Q shows up, you know, the mariachi band and all that, uh, it's... It's a great story. It's told well. It's a bit of a departure from some of the other Q episodes, you know, where he kind of put humanity on trial. That silly little notion. But um, John Delancey is always just is amazing in everything he's in. And this episode is no exception. So absolutely see it. Yes. Could not agree more. Uh, It is amazing that his annoying behavior is not based on his powers. He still is annoying. Yeah. Without it, right? Dan. Oh, you beat me to it. Okay. So moving on to episode 14, a matter of perspective. And Riker is charged with the murder of a prominent scientist. And so we get to see each side as they use the holodeck to show their side of the story. So, Bill, what do you think of Matter of Perspective? You know, my perspective on this is mm. that it's not one of my favorites, but it is an interesting procedural drama with the holodeck, and it's told with those different perspectives, I think, pretty okay. Plus, when you add in the fact that, you know, this is kind of the birth of the uh, the facepalm and next-gen... You know, you see that scene where Picard and Riker both have their head in their hands in this episode. And plus, you know, when you got Riker going, you're a dead man, Apgar, in the holodeck, you just, you got to see this episode. It's, uh, it's, I think it's great. It's one of my favorite Riker episodes of all time. Wow. That's strong words. Okay. I mean them. (laughs) Dan, would you like to take a different perspective? Nope. Um, it's kind of funny that you say it that way based on the perspective of the holodecks and everybody's, uh, 
thinking what they saw as what happened. It is, this is one of my favorite episodes of the season. I love a matter of perspective. It is a brilliant way of showing how the same thing is often looked at very differently from different individuals. Um, and on top of that, it was great to see Hector from Breaking Bad before he had his stroke. So it's a definite see it for me. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> All I can think of is ding, 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 ding. ding. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> oh, I did not. Okay. Well, now for sure, it's a see it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So moving on to yesterday's Enterprise. Does it need an opening? Well, we have a temporal rift opens and the USS Enterprise C emerges, changing the timeline into a reality where the Federation is in a bitter war with the Klingon Empire. The only person on the Enterprise D who realizes that something is not right is Guinan. She must help return the displaced starship to its proper time in order for the Enterprise D crew to save themselves. Dan, oh, thank see you it for choosing or skip me. it. Thank you for choosing <laughs> me first. Thank you so much. Um, this is a see it for me uh, without any hesitation. Um, and I'm not giving away any spoilers to anybody who listens to the podcast, but contrary to what my esteemed partner in the podcast is going to say, I've always loved this episode. The whole time change, the Enterprise C, I think it's great science fiction. I love the story. I love the whole idea of it. Um, Bill and I could probably argue the points of this episode for multiple podcasts. It, it's just a great it's a great discussion episode, and it is one that in order to appreciate the next generation, I think it's one you have to see. Okay, Bill. I want to go on the record as saying I hate this episode with a bloody passion. I really do. No, you do, do not. I You're do. kidding. No, I'm not. I'll tell you why. It's a poor time travel slash dimensional shift episode that's acted well, but the story is terrible and it's riddled with flaws and plot holes. Now, I know I'm in the minority on this, and that said, it's considered essential viewing among fandom, and since it's so entrenched with fans and people who love to discuss it, I only say see it so that you know what's going on when you talk to other Star Trek fans. I, I say this begrudgingly because I won't be watching it, but I definitely think you should. So I, it, it is a see it, although I do hate this episode. Now, who do you like better, Amy? Wow. <laughs> Dan has rocketed to the top. <laughs> hey, I was honest, but I did Word. rate it as a see it. Bill, I to be honest, I have not come across anyone who doesn't like yesterday's Enterprise. So this is a rare treat for me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I appreciate the question in your tone that, uh, w with which you make that declaration. Um, you know, it throws most people off. Um, I, yeah. I think that I think the fundamental flaw of this episode is because it doesn't it doesn't know or decide whether it wants to be a time travel story or a dimensional shift episode. And I think it fails as a result because it's never clear about which one it is. <laughs> I, I've always maintained you can't have Tasha Yar existing in the same timeline at two different points. Yeah, it's, I, I and, can see and this that. episode, that's it's for me. That's this episode's fatal flaw. Okay, all right. So that flaw just destroys the whole thing. All right, 
Moving on. I think you just got slammed, man. <laughs> I, I did, and I know that I, I know that everybody else on the planet will say this is yep. a, a see it, and I respect that. You know, for all the discussions that yesterday's Enterprise you know elicits, mm-hmm. I, I do think people should see it. It's just I've seen it so many times now to try to will myself into liking it. I just I can't do it. Mm. Amy, before you before you go on to the next episode, I want to say yeah. one thing. This is what I love about Star Trek so much. And I'm being very serious when I say this. I'm not I'm not just being a funny to Bill. This is what's great. We have an episode that is extremely important to the existence of Star Trek and the series and what happens in the future. And to have the difference of opinions and the different perspectives and to be able to discuss them is what makes Star Trek and podcasting about Star Trek so much fun because you get to see different aspects and angles of the story that you may never have thought of before because someone has a different opinion. So I'll give you a very big thumbs up to that, Bill. Thanks, man. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, something for me to think about. That's amazing. Good, good, good. Okay, so on to our next episode, number 16. That is The Offspring. And Data successfully creates a new android, which he views as his child. However, the magnitude of his accomplishment quickly attracts the scrutiny of Starfleet, who wants to separate the child from Data and the Enterprise for study. So matters are complicated further when the child begins to develop beyond Data's abilities. So, Bill, what do you think of this one? This episode for me, you know, everybody knows what, you know, pretty much the world thinks is the best episode of season three. For me, this one is right behind it at number two. This is a beautiful episode. Jonathan Frakes did an amazing job directing this and his directorial debut is the first thing he ever directed. It's filled with humor and sadness and great storytelling. And you do yourself a disservice if you don't watch this episode. Um, The first time I saw it, I wept. It is a wonderful story and an absolute see it. Agreed. Dan? Yes. Uh, I can't say much more. It's it's a definite see it. It's a brilliant episode. It's a beautiful episode. Lal is just amazing. Uh, the guest appearance of Nicholas Coster as Admiral Haftel is awesome. He does a phenomenal job. Uh, and it's quite the dilemma for Picard to not follow orders or to do what he's told by a, a higher up in the chain. Um, and also, got to give huge thumbs up to Brent uh, to have Data show no emotion, but yet show so much emotion at the same time. It is mm-hmm. beautiful. Yeah, it's this is an episode when people ask, you know, does it make you cry? Yeah, this one does. That ending scene is, yeah, very tear-jerking, and you feel so much for Lal and for Data, for his loss, even though he's not feeling it, you know. And and at the beginning, I love, you know, Data's questioning Picard. Well, no one else asks your permission if they can procreate. I yeah, just love that. Right. You know? <laughs> it, it puts Picard in, in an interesting position to have to change his mind. You know, mm-hmm, after right. he was pretty steadfast, and I, I think it it shows great growth for several characters, not the least of which is Data. Yeah, yep, we see his humanity there. All right, so um, sins of the father is next, and Worf is plunged headfirst into the politics of the Klingon Empire, where his deceased father is accused of treason. Dan, what do you think? Uh, this is definite see it for me. This is uh, an episode that sets the groundwork uh, for a lot of stories going forward, and it lasts all the way through Deep Space Nine. Uh, it is a 
it is a great story. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Klingon society, and I think that Bill can talk a little bit to that as well, and how we feel about you know the the darkness and and blades and honor and this that and the other thing. But it is a pivotal story uh, for Next Generation, and I freaking love Kim Peck. I think he's awesome, so I'm definitely giving this one a see it. Nice, Bill. I, uh, I have to agree. It's definitely a see it. It's the beginning of the Wharf Without Honor storyline, which runs for, it seems like it's forever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Dan's right. I mean, uh, I've never been a big fan of the way Klingons were depicted in, in Next Gen in later years. But I, I think this one tells an intriguing enough story um, without making the Klingons seem like, you know, stupid people who butt their heads together and just drink blood wine. Uh, I, I think it's it's great that Picard stands with him. I, I think there's just so much weight to this episode and so much great storytelling that I definitely think people should see it. Excellent. Yes, I agree. Sense of the Father is great. And we see, uh, yeah, just, I mean, and that sort of goes back to um, Undiscovered Country, right? Isn't that? Well, it's it it, it kind of starts a thread that weaves throughout uh, actually several different series, you know. Yeah. Um, whether it's the, the movies or the series, they they do touch on the Klingon society to some extent in, in the movies. But um, you figure what this means for Worf just on its own, yeah. You know, and Dan's right; it does carry all the way through Deep Space Nine with some of these storylines too. So it it's the first domino to fall in a lot of Klingon stories. Yes. Yes. Agreed. So go see it. All right, um, Allegiance. This one was interesting. Captain Picard and three other people are abducted and imprisoned by an unknown force and replaced by duplicates. So, Dan, see it or skip it? Uh, yeah, this is another see it. I've had a lot in a mm. row now, so I feel like I'm yeah. getting back on track. Uh, this is a great story. Uh, and it's a great story because it shows how different cultures have to work together to achieve a common goal, especially when their lives depend on it. Uh, I love all of the different alien races in this episode. Um, it's, it's brilliantly acted, especially with Patrick Stewart, of course. Uh, it is a see it. It's one of the ones that I will definitely stop and watch if I see it's on TV. All right, Bill. You know, I have to agree. This is another one of those TNG stories that remind me a lot of the original series. And this is one that very could have easily been adapted for, you know, for Kirk, for mm. example. But uh, I love it. You know, there's there's an air of mystery about this. Um, I love the ending, too, when they essentially imprison the aliens um, with the yeah. nonverbal communication. I think it, it demonstrates a, a really great point. Uh, but yeah, definitely see it for me. This is just a, an episode I love to watch. Yeah, and to see how people... You know, it's sort of looking at leadership skills and you either have it or you don't. Are you going to follow or are you going to be the leader? And so I like that approach that it takes there. Yeah. So definitely see it. Okay. Captain's Holiday. Interested to hear what you guys have to say. When Picard takes a much needed vacation on Risa. Risa. But unwelcome events keeps interfering with his rest. So, Bill, what do you say? You know, this episode is fun. You know, it's great to see Jean-Luc Picard out of his element and uncomfortable several times. It's about time that Patrick Stewart gets to have some real fun playing Picard. And this episode is just fun to watch, you know, even with Ferengis. So (laughs) (laughs) this is a definite see it for me. 
Okay, Dan? Yeah, I got your Horgon right here, Bill. I'll tell you that. <laughs> oh, you know. Yes. No, this is a definite C, and I love this episode. Um, I wish the Vorgons were seen in later episodes. They were kind of interesting. Uh, this episode reminds me a lot of Romancing the Stone meets Raiders of the Lost Ark, kind of. Uh, it's Absolutely. One that I've, I've always enjoyed. And I'm, I loved seeing uh, Max Gredenchik as the Ferengi. Of course, we later see him as Rom in Deep Space Nine, so it was good to see him in this episode, too. Excellent. Yep, I agree. It's a fun episode, and so see it. Yeah, I agree. I have to say that Horgons and Vorgons almost sounds like a Dr. Seuss novel. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, Tin Man is episode 20 of season three, and the Enterprise races against Romulans to make first contact with a powerful entity codenamed Tin Man. So, Bill... What do you think of Tin Man? I, I love Tin Man. You know, this episode is conflict. It has the discovery of a new life form. It has redemption for Tam Elbrun. You know, it is Trek encompassed into one hour, but, you know, it's it's definitely got a next-gen stamp on it. I think this is a great episode, and I think that anyone that doesn't like it needs to have his head examined. So see it. <laughs> All right. Dan, do you need to have your head examined? or? Yep. I certainly do. <laughs> now, I'm going to preface that by saying this is my version of Bill's Yesterday's Enterprise. I hate this episode. <clears throat> hate it. I can't stand it. Wow. I don't. I think Tam Elburn is a complete dink in this episode. I don't like him. I don't like anything. I. It's a big steaming pile of gom too. I don't like it. <laughs> so I'm going to give it a, uh, a a skip. It. I think. Yeah. I just. I just. I just don't like it. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I know that a people a lot of people are going to be upset about that. It's just I just oh, I I mm -mm, no. Let, let me ask you a question, Dan. If um if Tam Elbrin had been played by somebody else other than Harry Groner, who who I love, you know, as an actor, would you have had a different take on this episode or may it have, I don't have think resonated so. with you differently? No, I think it would have resonated the same. I'm not familiar with a lot of his stuff thinking off the top of my head, so if the character was written to be the same, I would have had the same reaction. I just don't. I don't like the way that his character is. He, um, his his his. I'm better than everybody type of attitude. Even if he is, um, I just I just don't like it. I don't like the idea of the episode at all. And I do I do appreciate and recognize what you say about the episode about it's it's Trek encompassed in an hour with all the sure. different parts of it. It's just an episode that I cannot stand. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. What so, about you, Amy? <laughs> well, I'm still going back. Uh, so when Q is has the attitude of being better than everyone, and he is, that doesn't bug you. Or when Data says that he's better, you know, than Encounter at Farpoint, that doesn't bug you. But Tams does. Yeah, maybe uh, you know that's a good point. But maybe because Q is Q, um, I don't have a problem with it, and. With I've never really thought of the data aspect of it, but uh, mm -hmm. yeah, for I don't know what it is. You know, maybe maybe it is the actor Bill. I don't know, but I think if if you had anybody acting that character, I I, I think I'd feel the same way. Something about this episode just rubs me the wrong way, and it just it it you probably can tell right now. It's, the, the episode irritates me. 
I, I think I, I can appreciate everything you're saying about that. I mean, I, I think one of the things that I like about it, to take the opposite viewpoint, is that this character is so remarkably flawed, and yet he's the only person who can do this job. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the crew of the Enterprise can't do it. Let me ask um, you one thing. I'm sorry yeah. to break in. Is this the episode where at the end, when Tin Man starts spinning and it sends out that pulse that the ships almost hit nose to nose, and then they have that really interesting uh, bridge scene where the they're, they're kind of like spinning in slow motion uh, as the camera's panning around the bridge? Am I thinking yes. the right episode? That's yes. the only quality I like yeah. about this episode because I think that's <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> Oh my. <laughs> well, we did uh, on Earl Grey, we did an episode on Tin Man. And I, you know, I said there, and I'll say it here, I didn't like Tam's, the actor of it. And so when you brought that up, Bill, of asking, it's like, yeah, if it was a different actor, yeah, I think it would be a great, great uh, episode. I'm one that. It's okay, but I would definitely see it because I, there are uh, points to it that I think need to be recognized, like you said. And, and I like, again, sort of highlighting Deanna Troy and her interplay uh, with Tam and with Gumtoo. So, see it. Okay. Okay. All right. Oh, coming up, Hollow Pursuits. So, Lieutenant Barkley, an introverted diagnostic engineer, is having difficulties dealing with his fantasies. Dan? I'm going to get back on the right track here now that we had that little blow up a minute ago. (laughs) Uh, This is a see it. Uh, I think that this episode does a great job of handling addiction in its own Star Trek way, and it works. Uh, and over the years, I have really gotten to enjoy Dwight Schultz's appearances as Barkley. So this is a see it for me. I love this episode. Yes. Bill? You know, this episode is is one of the most fun of season three and almost of TNG overall. It's just so quotable and memorable. And I, and I love Lieutenant Broccoli, uh, Barkley. And <laughs> honestly, I think the goddess of empathy would want you to see it. So you should definitely see it. <laughs> Yes. I always say that I love Deanna Troy. And so everyone's like, well, are you going to dress cosplay as the goddess of empathy? So, oh, goodness, you better see it just for that. (laughs) Okay, so moving on to episode 22, The Most Toys. And here we have a traitor fakes Data's death and adds him to his collection of rare and unique objects. So, Bill, what do you think? You know, I think that this is an essential data episode. Uh, Saul Rubinek is outstanding, and the dynamic, you know, between him and Brent Spiner and their scenes together is just incredible. Um, this is a, a an interesting story that's written well and told well, and ultimately it, it it leaves an interesting decision for data toward the end. So I think it's a definite see it. Mm-hmm. Dan, Amy, I went through great effort effort to bring you here. Okay. <laughs> uh, this is one of the best episodes of season three. It's it's funny. The other night, my wife and I watched it while we were eating dinner because I just wanted to watch a season three episode. And I think she really enjoyed it as well. It's an amazing story. And you actually, oh my God, Data pulled the triggers. What you're saying in your mind at the end of the episode. Yeah. It's brilliant. And I got to tell you, if anything, I just want a Varon T disruptor so I can keep Bill in line. It's beautiful. Wow. Uh, it will take that, I think, to keep him what? in line. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> wow. 
Remember, I, I'm i controlling the recording here, right? <laughs> Oops. <laughs> yeah, definitely see it. It is, you're right. The interplay between Data and who you said that guy was. Wrong. <laughs> Saul. <laughs> Saul, yeah. Is fabulous. And, you know, and you see people collect these things. And what what are you going to have when you die? I, I don't know. So it is very interesting. And to see, yeah, data I, pulling the trigger. Yeah, excellent. Okay, Sarek is next. Violent emotions sweep the enterprise when Ambassador Sarek comes aboard to finish a long diplomatic mission. So, Bill, what do you think of Sarek? You know, I have to say this episode is worth it for the scenes with Patrick Stewart alone, mm-hmm. you know, where he is carrying, you know, Sarek's, you know, um, illness for want of a better word. You add in that Mark Leonard is in this episode and it's one of the best hours of TNG by far. And, and it's just, I, I can't say enough good things about this episode. It's great that it brings back an original series character and certainly not one you'd necessarily expect. So um, definite see it. Yes. And Dan? Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm putting you down for see it. Yeah, this is um, this is Bill said it. This is one of the best hours of TNG, if not Star Trek. Uh, it is an amazing performance by Mark Leonard and Patrick Stewart. Uh, it's a remarkable episode tying in one of Trek's most beloved characters. Uh, it, it, it's 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 a very emotional, very strong episode. This is one that you cannot miss. Definite see it. Yeah. And I've heard uh, Patrick Stewart and uh, talk about on the panel at Star Trek Las Vegas of how that shot was done and how they moved around, you know, to get that sweeping view Mm. of just the profiles and how it just goes around and it just really encompasses you and brings you into that moment. And you see sort of the mind meld working in a different capacity, which is truly amazing. Um, so definitely see Sarek for sure. All right. So Menage Troy, uh, we've got the Ferengi coming back. Diamond kidnaps Riker, Deanna and Luoxana. Gotta love her. So Bill, is this a see it or a skip it? I'm happy to report Amy that this is definitely a see it. This episode is just more fun. I think one of the things that sets season three apart from one and two is that they let these characters out of the box a little bit to have fun and grow themselves. Um, This episode is a little predictable, but it tells a story well, and I appreciate it for that. Um, It's just a nice, you know, breath. It's an exhale before we get to the finale and a couple of serious episodes uh, after this. So a definite see it. Okay, Dan? Yeah, you would... um uh, well, let's just say it's got Ferengi and it's got Waxana. And anybody who's listened to the podcast knows how I feel about both. So this is definitely going to be a skip it for me, right? Wrong. This is a see it. Oh. I love this episode. I think it's funny. I think it's campy. And Picard's speech at the end of the episode is worth <laughs> the price of admission in itself. So it's a see yeah. it. Love it. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, truth be told, this is it. I'm going to say skip it. What? Wow. (laughs) I know. This is one that's totally forgettable. And I love Deanna episodes, but I just, 
I, it's not fun for me. And I'm almost saying, see it just because of the end of Picard professing his love and Shakespeare for the Waxana. But I just can't bring myself. So this will be my skip it. Wow. wow. Mind blown. I, am, I cannot even. I can't even. Oh, I think Trek FM's gonna come calling for your TNG card. Right. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Looking for a new host. <laughs> well, Richard Lee, it's yours from here. <laughs> okay, well, let's move on so we don't um, talk too much about that. Uh, Transfigurations. And we have the Enterprise rescues a critically injured amnesiac who is undergoing a mysterious transformation. So, Dan, did this episode transform you? I wouldn't say it transformed me. I'm actually going to say that um, I said earlier that episode three was my only, quote unquote, barely see it episode of the season. And I guess I lied because I'm giving this a barely see it also. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say that because... The John Doe aspect of, of of this episode, the basically the the entire um, main part of the episode, it's very interesting, and we get to see War fall, break his neck, and then come back come back to life. So that's kind of cool too. Um, yeah. I will say I don't like what happens to John Doe at the end of this episode. I'm not a big fan of the transfiguration, so to speak. Um, hmm. But the story's interesting enough for me to give it a pass. So I'll give it a see it. All right, Bill. Well, first, I'd like to point out that Dan sits on a throne of lies. He just admitted he lied on the podcast. Way to go, buddy. Um, I, I like this episode because it's one of the few times in season three since Beverly Crusher returns that she gets something actually substantive to do that's written halfway <laughs> decently. Um, I think the twist of John Doe evolving like a butterfly is a great one, honestly. And I think that the best part about that is that it's happening right before the Enterprise crew's eyes, and they don't even know it until the end. So uh, I, I like this episode. I think it's a see it. Agreed. It's exactly for that reason of Beverly finally has something to do, and it's important. And and yeah, I like the idea that we are changing and that we are growing and progressing and yeah, that we get to see it again, Star Trek seeking out new life. So it just is another uh, reason of Star Trek. So, yeah. Okay. We are to episode 26, the best of both worlds, part one. So we have the Borg. They are beginning an invasion of Federation space much sooner than was expected. Thank you, Q. With the Enterprise unable to affect them, the Borg capture Picard and turn him into one of their own season finale. Dan, I'll let you go first on this one. Well, here's what I think about the episode. You're going to have to wait until next summer to hear my answer. Bye. (laughs) No, I I don't think it's uh, uh, anybody's going to be shocked that I, I don't think I've ever talked to anyone in my life who would not give this a see it. This is, in my opinion, hands down, without exaggeration, the best television cliffhanger in the history of television. It is phenomenal. It is so well done. It was the longest three months, I think, that any of us have ever had to endure when that first aired. It is brilliant television and probably one of the, it actually, based on what we talked about uh, last week, I believe, it's one of the top two episodes uh, ever in Star Trek The Next Generation. Bill? 
Oh, sorry. That's Amy's job. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> that's right. That's, that's Amy's job, mister. Well, let's see. I think, uh, yeah, Bill, let's hear from you. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. Um, you know, it's like Dan said, we talked about this last week. And I think the only thing I would add to my comments about Best of Both Worlds is I think it's some of the best writing for television Michael Pillar ever did. Um, he told a, a fantastic story that left it at a point that absolutely wanted the audience to know more right away. You know, this is the moment that Next Gen arrived and people considered it its own show with its own merits and stopped comparing it to the original series. It remains one of the best ever and it always will be. This is one of the best episodes of Star Trek and you should absolutely see it. Yes, I, it is. And resistance is futile. What, what yes, more can it you is. Say? yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. So we made it through all 26 episodes. <laughs> Amy, it surprises me to learn that you were 25 for 26, but uh, yeah. that's a, a very healthy rating. Dan, uh, how did you do, buddy? I did 22 of 26. So instead of 50% or 45% from seasons one and two, I'm up there at 84.62%. So just shy of 85%. It's not as high as you two suck ups, but I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I'm happy to report that. Uh, I just I wanted to be just like teacher, and I also have twenty five of twenty six for ninety six point one five percent. Yay! I, that I only, is an A. That is that's <laughs> only one episode I would skip in the whole season because it is a binge watching delight. It is. It is. Amy, thank you so much for uh, for running us through the season and for keeping us from killing each other. You did a fantastic job moderating. And um, how can people find you online? Well, I am on Twitter, tweeting all of my Star Trek watchings, comings and goings. So that is at Miss Amy Nelson. And I am also on Camp Kittimer, which is your Facebook group. So Yay. you can find me there. It is. And of course, we want everyone to listen to you on Earl Grey over at Trek FM. You guys have an entire litany of podcasts out there. And uh, you, you've got so many different great shows that uh, we're, we're just happy to listen to so many of them. So thanks for, for doing a great job over there. And thanks for doing a great job here tonight. Thank you so, so much. The honor really is mine. We're going to have you hang on for a second while we wrap things up. Okay. Um, Dan. Um, we would be incredibly, incredibly horrible people if we didn't thank our friends, the band Five Year Mission, for all of the amazing music they provide for our show. They're doing an original song for every episode of the original series, and that is not uh, a small task by any means, my friend. It's not, because there's a lot of episodes in TOS. There right? are, uh, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, it, How many, Dan? Uh, uh, 79, but they've done 80 songs. They're going to do 80 songs, so there's a little twist in there for you. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yes, we love Five Year Mission. So excited that they're working on year four right now. We've gotten some some great videos from FARC over on Facebook about what they're doing right now. And and uh, we want everybody to head over to their website and order them up some Five Year Mission. Yes, right. we do. I'm, I'm very sad, though. I'm Why? Excited. Why are you sad, Dan? I'm going to start crying. I, uh, I, came, I came across something uh, the other day, and, and I'm going to read it. I actually was watching it, and I, I read it. Down. I'm going to read it like Captain Kirk because it came from Captain Kirk. Okay, yeah. Whew. Okay, let's take a deep breath here. Right. Captain's personal log, stardate unknown. I could only listen in horror as my only son was murdered on the planet below. He was a fine young musician working on a new album called the Genesis Wave. We were estranged, but 
finally getting to know each other. If only this damned five-year mission tour hadn't caught the ears of the Klingons and Captain Krug. That's a sad, sad captain's personal log, Bill. Rest in peace, David Farkas. Uh, oh, my God. I, really? That's what you brought to the table this week? I told you earlier it was going to be a bad one this week. Oh, my. I can only hope that, that <laughs> Fark has not gone into a, a rage at the gym as he listens to this. Um, but yeah, please head on out to fiveyearmission.net, download all their albums. We are huge fans of theirs and we think you will be too. Dan, why don't you tell us what's coming up next week, buddy? Next week. Well, you know what? If memory serves, Bill, and you know that sometimes I have some memory issues, but I think I was recently subjected to a stump the geek session. By you, you. Yes. Um, so I think it was right around the time the Patriots were hoisting their fifth Super Bowl trophy. If yeah. I remember correctly, that is but- true. I got to tell you, revenge is a dish that is best served cold, my friend. Oh, no. Because next week, it is a special Geek the Stump supplemental. Oh, why do I let you program some episodes? Uh, This is a horrible thing. Oh, it's going to be fun. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure it will be. So next week, that's Geek the Stump right here on Trek Geeks. Uh, For more great Star Trek discussions, after you've checked out Amy and her co-hosts on Earl Grey, please check out our friends at the Tricorder Transmissions online at thetricordertransmissions.com. And of course, for all the latest news on all the Star Treks, please visit our great friends at treknews.net online at treknews.net. For now, this has been episode 98 of the Trek Geeks podcast. We do hope you all live long and prosper. I am Locutus of Coconut. Resistance is futile. Your drinks, as they have been, are over. From this time forward, you will drink with us. Mr. Worf, fire. Very well done. Thank you. Thank you. Can you do that in like an opera style? I, I don't think I can. All right. Well. Hello, governor. Hello, governor. Top of the morning to yeah. It's oh, not. That's morning. You know, it's really not. <laughs> it really isn't, actually. Yeah. No, I, I'm, I, you're honest. I appreciate that about you. That kind of sucked. All right. Top of the evening to yeah, governor. No. <laughs> no. no. It's not. What, why, why all of a sudden are you some you know, British? I don't know. I haven't English. watched anything British or anything. Although I did, we were driving home from New Hampshire today, and a Jeep passed us, and its tire cover on the back was a map of England. Interesting. Yeah, never seen that before. At least I think it was England. It might have been New Hampshire. I'm not really sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they look so much alike. They kind of do a little bit. Are you high? <laughs> they got that shape. It's like an upside-down Vermont.
<laughs> it is really talk about it the is. most lazy person ever when they were doing the state of Vermont. Let's just right? make it reverse New Hampshire. Yeah. Uh, well, it kind of is in many ways. <laughs> very nice. Yes, very nice. So, um, as you know, my lovely bride and I are going on a cruise very soon. Yes, yes. And um, today I decided to try on my suits because there are a couple of formal nights mm-hmm. on board the ship. Yes. Last year, uh, we were supposed to take the same cruise that had to be canceled because, you know... Uh, puppy, puppy. Yeah, puppy problems. And... Um, so I, I bought new suits last year because I figured hey, it was time. Yes. I went to try them on this year, and they're two sizes too big. That's awesome. <laughs> so, you know, I said, wow, I've got to get this, like, you know, altered. Yes. And I've only got, like, less than two weeks to do it. So I go to Men's Warehouse, and I, I you know, obviously they don't, we don't have any advertisers on the show, and I only talk about them because they give in- incredible service. Okay. But, um I couldn't really, the jacket had already been altered once when I bought it. And if they altered it more to take it in, it would put the pockets like right over my butt. That's how much my body composition has changed. So I had to buy two new jackets. They can take in the pants. Yeah. But the jackets were buy one, get one. So I actually got out of it. Not too bad. Well, that's great, man. Congratulations. Hey, you're going to like the way you look. They guarantee it. <laughs> and I do, actually. I'm sure. I, I wish I could see you right now because I'd probably be all like, wow, well, I'm going to go on the cruise with you. Uh, no, I'm not. not. No, no, you're not. <laughs> well, then uh, several years ago, we've t- probably talked about this before. You know, My wife for my birthday one year gave me a Dwight Evans jersey. Okay. Um, like 1987 Boston Red Sox road jersey. Mm-hmm. You know, like stadium collections. It's not. It's it's as close to reproduction as it can be. It's got the the Fenway twenty fifth or sorry Fenway seventy fifth anniversary patch on the sleeve. Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, the gray jersey with the blue Boston letters. And when she bought it for me, it didn't quite fit. Well, tomorrow, of course, is you know opening day at yes. Fenway, and I tried on that jersey today, and it fits with a lot of room to spare, buddy. Nice. That's freaking awesome, man. So I'm wearing that tomorrow. Congrats. That's awesome. Dewey's my, still my all-time favorite Red Sox ever. Same here. Love the guy. So um, I got a lot of love this weekend. We drove down to Nashua in the new Ridgeline, and I got yeah. a lot of love with the screensaver that I tweeted about the Star Trek Continues uh, wallpaper that I put on. Yeah, absolutely. It looks it fantastic. Looks, it looks awesome. I have two other ones on there, and I wanted to tell you what they were because you're my, you're my best bud. One of them is the original series Bridge. Empty. Nobody in it. Looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the other one is you, me, and Vic on the bridge of the Enterprise down in Georgia. Now, I'm sure the only thing that keeps you from wanting to drive into a bridge, a bridge abutment when that picture comes up is Vic. Because if it were just me, you're just like, you know, ah. I don't even see you there, to be honest. I didn't think so. <laughs> no. Thanks, best, best bud. <laughs> it looks really good. <laughs> That, that that STC one, the, the motion picture poster yeah. that I have on my phone is what I'm using in there. Oh, my God. It just looks so awesome. It Very does look exciting. pretty good. Yeah. It's, it's kind of neat how you can do that because I can't do that on my Toyota. Yeah, I figure I'll put in Disney pictures and stuff like that and just change it up every once in a while. It's I'm so happy with the rig. It's great. Very, very happy. Very cool. So one of the things that we did this weekend while we were down there, when we were having breakfast this morning, my brother-in-law is a fantastic chef, and we had some waffles. And while we were eating, we watched from beginning to end all good things. All oh, four nice. of us. And it's such a great episode. And I'm sure we're going to get into it. And we talked about how it's the highest rated. But I said to my wife, I said, there's one huge mistake with this episode. 
Okay. And it's that data says that the or the anomaly was formed by the three tachyon pulses by the at three enterprises in the different time periods because they all had the same signature. The one in the future wasn't the enterprise. It was the pastor who fired the tachyon pulse. Doesn't the enterprise fire one later? No, they don't. They do not. And it's like and and when Picard's trying to to um to explain it to age spotted Riker forehead uh, in the future, um, he's all <laughs> confused because he's saying that it was we sent the tachyon pulse and he says the pastor and it's, it's very confusing. But I'm like, I can't I can't imagine that that was just overlooked. I thought it was very odd. I'm gonna have to do some research online to see if there's a, an explanation for that. Hmm. Were you drinking with breakfast? I wasn't. I was some not. Mimo- some mimosas, maybe? No. No. Perhaps a screwdriver or two? No. Nothing like that. I, I can't rule out a couple shots of tequila, but I don't think so. <laughs> Allegedly. You, you can't prove it. It's such a great episode. Oh, it's so good. It's yeah. fantastic. Yeah it, is. It, 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 yeah, it was good. But yeah, invert, invert tachyon pulse. Mm-mm-mm. Tisk, tisk. Where's the mistake? It's your face. That's the mistake. And there we go. It starts. Wow, that was a good six minutes into the outtake before you threw one of those. Usually you throw it in first. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you gave me some good news about your suits and everything. You're off your I didn't game. want to say that, you know, nobody can look at you anyway because of your face. So I, I decided to just not say anything. Oh, wow. So pick on the fat kid. I see how it is. No. I, but <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think it would be the thin kid now. <laughs> uh, kid in progress. <laughs> Night job, man. You ready to do this? Yes, sir. Let's do it. 